Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Square. I'm Poonam Schallenberger, and I'm here with Ryan Smothers, Practice Technology Specialist. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here talking to you today. We're going to talk a little bit about practice technology and really the tools that our architects and designers are using and what they're using now and kind of what's coming up next. Mm -hmm. Can we start with a little bit about what practice technology is at the firm, but kind of what it maybe means in the practice generally? So... um... It's a really good question because even uh, I think in our team we have some varying um, def- definitions of it. In a, in a basic sense, practice technology is like assisting um, with the design tools we have. Like an example is we have Revit. Revit is a great tool, but um, there's a lot to learn and there's a lot of troubleshooting that comes with it. So we come in and make sure um, everyone's working as efficiently as they can, help them with training, help them with troubleshooting with the, the uh, program itself. But that's one aspect. Another aspect is sometimes we come in and just help teams um, with their efficiencies, like with the idea of um, a BEM lead or a BEM manager uh, might need help like figuring out what's the startup for this project. Can we sit down and just think about the problem solving of this? We have this math project like, pardon me, Aviation has sometimes the largest model systems that anyone see in the firm. Um, they're, they're millions of square feet, um, long ranging. I mean, look at uh, JFK, look at DFW. I mean, it's just a bunch of huge of horseshoes. Yeah. And you have to think through how can we efficiently build this as a three-dimensional object and document it uh, effectively. And along with having I don't know, team members of like 20, 30 team members in these models. So we can come and do a problem solving with that. Um, but I will say like, as I keep in this job, it, it shifts a lot. Like we have to be able to pivot when people needs um, and just help them um, with all that kind of technology. Yeah. And then, you know, I, my understanding also is that part of practice technology's responsibilities is to kind of sort of investigate what else is out there and what makes sense for the firm and what our talent really might need now, but also might need in the future, right? Yeah. And the the great example of that is we uh, last, it's almost been over a year now, we uh, added uh, Nathan Terranova to our team, uh, which is a great guy that uh, was already looking into more coding aspects. So in our job, we've been doing a lot of uh, using just the, the tools and the add-ins for our drawing tools like Revit and Dynamo, uh, Rhino, which is a nice three-dimensional modeling tool, and Grasshopper, which is, again, a bunch of scripting. But what he brought in was he was already looking at Python coding and trying to figure out how can we make some custom features in our own um, drawing tools. And that's, that's the kind of new thing that we're going into um, in the future is like, how do we make our own custom things and so that we're more efficient? Yeah, and I think that there's always such an appetite for what's the buzziest next thing. I know. I, know. I think you and I started this conversation <laughs> offline about, hey, Ryan, what can you talk to me a little bit about what AI means for all of this? And I think there's just such interest in these catchy, flashy headlines. Yeah. And they, they really do matter, right? They are going to yeah. fundamentally change the way mm-hmm. that we practice. Mm-hmm. But there's so much that we can do now, too. And I think... That's that's always the buzz question. You know, it's like it's either you're overexcited about that word or you're terrified of that word or, you know, because it, it's um, it's like several years ago when the word digital twin came out. 
Yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves the word digital twin. It's like, you know, what is that? Oh, it's it's just a copy of the model. It's more detailed or it's this. And what we found is like there's no real good definition. People like to use it to try to say, well, we, we require a digital twin. Well, what does that mean? Right. And it goes down this way. I think the same thing with AI is like there are technologies like everyone knows about chat GPT. They've had fun with it. I mean, they've written out those little like, you know, stories. Uh, and You know, there's like limitations to that. I'm sure yeah, it, yeah. in your world too. I mean, for me, whenever I'm writing stories or writing copy, mm-hmm. in I've seen products of chat GPT. Mm-hmm. You can almost spot what came out of that and mm-hmm. what's actually been written by someone mm-hmm. who deeply understands it. I'm not saying that it's totally useless. It's mm-hmm. just there is a gap there. Yeah, and I think that what we're doing as a, as a company is we're just being cautious with all those things and doing research. Right. You know, um, there are functions out there, but I think that for us, we just always want to be cautious with everything. It's like, uh, I mean, I'm so old. I'm going to date myself. Uh, I, I started the company, and when I started – the standard program we were using for drawing was AutoCAD. And we still had projects in MicroStation. And I was having to do those two programs. I wasn't even doing Revit or three-dimensional modeling. And there was a fear when we started changing to Revit, is this really like going to help us? Is this more work than we need to? And it's it's the same thing with any innovation. There's these this, this bell curve of like understanding. And I think right now we're just still in the we're trying to figure out what's the most effective. And there's tools we'll we'll look into. And I don't want to steal the thunder from some of the other things that um, I think our team will talk about next year. But um, that's kind of what we're going to look at. The other thing is like realizing there's different types of the the AI and like there's all these different definitions. And so that's what I would say is like we're just being cautious and looking into things. We're not trying to stay behind, but we're just trying to make sure – uh, we're using the most effective tools. And it's intentional. Yeah, it it's, matches what where where you are now and what you actually need. Correct. You know, we need to always be cautious and looking at what is the correct thing for the firm. You know, moving forward. Right, and I think it's also about maximizing the tools that you are providing our talent mm-hmm. to begin with. So I think one of the challenges is you know we're constantly growing our firm and growing our the the folks at each of the sectors. So it's a lot of new talent mm-hmm. who who kind of expect access to the freshest, newest things, but then also need to be able to work within and make the most of the tools that are currently available. How do you navigate that? Uh, you know, it, what's great is like, um, and I, I'm, I'm answering your question, but slightly not answering your question at the same time. I mean, I'm, I'm diverting it because there's something I, I, I see when we talk about the staff and training. Yeah. Uh, I think what I love is uh, one of the things that we've done um, especially over the last two years, is we've started engaging more with the studios in some of the things that we try to create, like in a, uh, effective um, tools inside of Revit, understanding what their workflows are. And one of the things that I think we've seen is also there's just a lot of, of want of training. But what's that training? Yeah. Uh, we were talking before the mics turned on is like, uh, if we're shown a, a video that's more than maybe 15 minutes, we're like, I don't want to. I'm done. I, I don't, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> yeah. But if I give you a, a lunch where you, lunch is provided, you can sit down, you can kind of like chill uh, and listen to us like talk about interactive training. Some of that works, but there's also the aspects of five minute trainings, which we started trying to do uh, five minute videos on SharePoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer the, the 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 base question at the beginning is the idea about how we engage training is we try to start at the base level of the sectors and the offices. Because here's the thing. It's not just 
uh, General Studios. It's we are a firm of, I mean, how many office locations? Can we? 16. Okay, there you go. But we also have how many in this office? I'm t- a lot. I'm quizzing, I'm quizzing you now. I'm like, I'm asking you the questions. A lot. Um, yeah. No, but we have we have you know hundreds here. Right. It's funny because you go to one of the offices, like let's say we go to the Atlanta office, and there's a certain number of of individuals, maybe thirty or thirty or more, um, in that office. It's easy to have a way to talk to all of those sectors in one big swoop and give them uh, some training. But when we come back here, we have to kind of divide it up and figure out how can we best integrate with all of those sectors and give them what they need. As we think about recruitment and folks that are just joining the profession, there's an expectation Mm -hmm. that your employer and that you'd be able to get your hands on the newest technology, Mm -hmm. but that also you'd be trained on how to Mm -hmm. use what's available. How do you navigate that? What does training look like and what are some challenges in bringing someone up to speed on the technology that we have? Well, and the first thing I would say about when you say, you know, you come in and you want the the newest technology and the newest, I'm going to use the term toys. Yeah. The first question is, what's the newest toys? What's what's relevant? Because you can go um, in our profession and you can find hundreds of different rendering tools. Mm. And so people come in from, let's say, a different um, university and they use this tool. So they're, you're comfortable with this. So they're like, well, why aren't you guys using this tool? Well, we're actually using this one over here, and it's actually better, and here's why. Yeah. And it, that's the, the the transition. So what happens is usually uh, people at that level, they'll come and approach us, and we'll say, okay, have you seen this other tool? And like try to like illustrate that either on a one-on-one basis, and then if it's a bigger issue, we might do a larger training. Like what qualities are people looking for from the tools that they're working with? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think it's efficiency. Yeah. I mean, you have somebody in the studio that you have a, a project manager coming, okay, we need this tomorrow, or the client needs this Turner event. I mean, we have a, a really fabulous interiors department that has uh, bends over backwards to get renderings on a regular basis to the client, and it's just amazing. And so when we talk about rendering, I mean, Enscape is a great example. Enscape is an add-in to Revit, and it's a very simple rendering tool. Again, I'm going to date myself because I love to bring that up because how old I am. But uh, when I was... When I, back in my day, <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, we had to spend 11 hours rendering. Yeah. Uh, Luke might remember that um, in Media Lab. Uh, but we would spend overnights, whereas now they can render within real time, sometimes as, as long as an hour or sometimes as quick as 20 minutes. And that makes their lives more efficient, makes them show that they're more responsive to the client. Um, it's... And probably frees them up to actually Correct. spend their time being creative rather than these sort of... And that's the other aspect I would say is it's first efficiency, but the efficiency is also, I think, we want to be designers. Um, right. that, is, that is one of the core tenets is our uh, agility and designers. And so if we can make more efficiencies with the tools we use, um, we should be able to design better buildings and do better with those things. So folks are looking for efficiency. They're looking for something, a tool that powers their creativity. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you think is of real value between here's a tool that I will use, here's a tool I want to use, mm-hmm. and oh, by the way, guys, why don't you use this because I use this? What, what is it that they're usually after? Well, I think it's it's a lot of it right now is is rendering, um, but also it's the, the aspect of we've started doing more uh, scripting, mm-hmm. you know, um, Wanted to, Gra- Grasshopper is a scripting tool uh, in Rhino to help do um, efficient tasks uh, faster. You know, like uh, you, a few years ago, uh, Matt Whetstone in our group did a uh, 
computational pumpkin competition. Yes, I remember that. And that was a script where they could they could do bars of like how big it was and how how ribbed the the pumpkin was. Yeah. And so it was trying to help illustrate you could use these uh, scripts to help like you already have a pumpkin, but you could add to the scripts to add different dynamics to it. And so those are kind of the other tools that they want to see as well. It seems is um, those kind of aspects as well. So I always look at the folks in your your world, practice technology mm-hmm. and media lab and all of that as sort of magicians in your space. It's this. Well, I know oh, you might. You're laugh, right. We are but, very good at tricking but, you. But it's this like <laughs> invisible thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's this magic that happens behind the scenes because at the end of the day, we see the built environment. We mm-hmm. see how beautiful space is mm-hmm. and we may even be able to have an architect tour us through it and help us make sense of why something is a certain way or maybe mm-hmm. there was a curved hallway to usher people naturally and intuitively down a space. But a lot of this is the sort of the magic of the technology that exists behind the scenes that even makes any of this possible. Do you know why I think that that is? Is that the fact that in our team, uh, all of us were um, former architects in our our lives, either here or at other firms. And I think even in MeLab, some of them have been architects or they've just been yeah. in production. And so when we come with already a context of being in the studio and feeling those kind of things, we know what we want to look at. Also, just being able to hear. I mean, we uh, one of the things we've done is try to have better voice for the studios uh, in newer ways with with teams to help them bring up things that they're having issues with. And we get different voices that tell us, and that helps us understand um, what's going on in the environment. I mean, you working in marketing, like, or communications, let's say, though, how do you know what's the biggest trend? How do I know? Yeah. Am I being interviewed now? I like throwing it back. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think what I'm hearing and I, I can understand is it's a deep understanding of your end clients, pain points, trends, yeah. what they need, their preferences, and what's kind of most influencing their day-to-day That's work. the goal for us is we're always – I it, that's my central goal is like trying to understand what is going on with the firm and what is the need. So can you give me an example of maybe – because you, when you and I were talking earlier, mm-hmm. you're more you're maybe more focused on – actually empowering our staff yeah. with the tools that they have, making mm-hmm. sure that they're educated and empowered and well-versed and even excited about the tools that we mm-hmm. have, right? Rather than constantly adding new mm-hmm. things, how do we get folks to be excited about and and best able to use whatever we're offering? I think it's a, it, well, it does start out first with uh, a training and, and a campaign of like, this is the new tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to cite uh, back when we first did our own uh, Revit template that was a Corgan-specific. Adam Ortwine went on a campaign throughout all of our offices, showed them what it was and how we changed it and in and a, and a more of excited kind of campaign. And I think we try to do that with every new t- new tool that we're doing because we're diligent. We're not going to just, oh, that's the cool thing. We're going we're gonna to throw this at you guys. Right. We want to ask the question of like, is this helpful or is this just the new thing? Mm-hmm. Um, because we can easily just get so distracted by the shiny object. Yeah. So we talked about the parametric pumpkins. I, <laughs> For some reason, that always sticks out um, for me as well. But any good examples of where you've been like, you know what, that's something really cool that we've done at the firm mm-hmm. using maybe the tools and technologies or toys like you mentioned mm-hmm. that people have sort of come to expect. Maybe not the flashiest, newest thing, but just we were able to do something cool with something that was already existing. Um. There was a uh, aviation project, I think, out in Phoenix. They were doing a glass 
uh, facade, and they were using um, dots to be able to show imagery, and they had created a script so that they could easily adjust to those those so that it showed a certain uh, imagery. Um, which was really kind of cool because once they made the script, they could easily adjust what that image would be. Um, there was the same thing with, uh, I think, a ceiling art installation that they did. It's called Desert Rain. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. You, yeah. You, you probably don't really, like remember it. And that one, it's the same thing. They made it real, like once they made the script, they could easily update it and it helped them also with documentation, I believe. Yeah, and when I remember talking to Thomas Lusk yes. about it. Love Thomas. Yes. Um, Shout out to Thomas. Yeah, about <laughs> this art installation. Yeah. has what, There's the desert rain with the different colored sort of cylinders almost that hang from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Then there's also the ones where there's flowers that are kind of these yellow flowers that are signature to the Phoenix area Mm -hmm. that are falling from the sky. And I think that this goes back to exactly what you and I were talking about is once you figure out how to do it and you're not sitting there navigating the friction points of how do I get this to be different every single time Mm -hmm. and you actually get to play, Mm -hmm. you end up with something so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of designers and architects are after. Yeah, that's that's the, the, the role is like getting the comfortability with the tools and realizing that you can do it. Um, one of the things that I've been doing some more training and I'm trying to do this year is just um, in Revit, you can make these uh, objects like chairs and things that are called families. And some people are comfortable right off the bat trying to figure out how to make a family for their project. And some people are like, ah, that's going to take a lot of time. What I like is having training where you make somebody feel comfortable with that tool. Like that it's, it's not... Um, you don't have to be an expert. Yeah. Uh, this I started during the pandemic to become a woodworker, and I was terrified of it. Like I have to use a table saw. Like I like like furniture building, but that's terrifying. And it was a good exercise because it made me comfortable. Same thing that we want to do with the software is make them comfortable so that they can keep going down that road. And then they can play. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when we talk about Rivet uh, content or family creation. The thing that I like seeing is, uh, and why this training uh, has kind of spurred where we're going to kind of do a series of uh, trainings on this is, once they can create these things, like, let's use an example of um, aviation has ticketing islands, like, but every airline uses their own type. Like, there's these different modifications they might have to make. Mm-hmm. And it's helpful if you can create this object that has these different details to it that can easily shift for them. Once you have something generic that can shift for whatever airline needs that, it's efficient. Now you have this object that they can use. And this is why um, making people more comfortable at any level that's using in, in the production staff, they can do this very effectively. They even take an existing family because a lot of people do download uh, manufacturers families and they can be really frustrating to deal with. If we can train people to be able to quickly make generic objects of what they need for a rendering, for documentation, we are able to sidestep the the issue and be able to create their own quickly, and then, you know, we share it or put it on our um, avail uh, database. That's where you can pull all of your content from. Yeah, it's really exciting to think about the different opportunities of like, hey, you know what? As soon as I can empower someone to know how to do this, it unlocks their ability to be able to move. And we've seen that we've been doing um, with the different studios uh, a content uh, creation group where. Um, they start giving us content, and we have those conversations of what are they needing, what are they producing. I mean, we have a healthcare uh, department that has to have like beds, and like they have so many very unique 
uh, content, and some of them they they create, some of them they have to find, and it's uh, it's fascinating because I never got to work in healthcare, but when I see what they've got, I'm like, wow, oh, a help button! I didn't know we had to have that. Like, you know, just these these things that are really kind of neat. Yeah. Any other examples of hey, you know what? Once we were able to show them how to use this tool, to, mm-hmm. or that it could do this, that it that it powered and made possible their ability to either move more efficiently, like we mm-hmm. talked about, or to be able to work more creatively. I'm trying to think of a good one. Um, there's a lot, but it's like, I, I also, uh, I feel like we've had some successes um, with graphics tools uh, because I know that everyone loves Adobe and I'm not saying it's a bad tool, but we also have Affinity as another helper. And I think that we've had some training, especially with MeLab, uh, shout out to Jason, uh, that help realize that, oh, this can actually do this tool, and they get excited. Um, and they're like, oh, I didn't know it could do that, and now I know, and they can actually move forward with that. Yeah. Um, okay, so I know we said AI. Let's talk about it. Maybe let's not talk about it. But so you don't need to answer it in that way. But, okay. But anything that you think is really exciting when it comes to what's what you're seeing coming up next, what you're seeing kind of maybe most disrupt the way that we practice and the tools that are available to us. Maybe don't use AI. I I think what I'm excited about is what internally we're doing as research. Hmm. One of the things that I have really enjoyed um, this last year is um, Karina Wright and Matt and Adam and I are all doing uh, research on these different things that we have as um, help documentation tools um, internally. And we are interviewing and going through the studios understanding how their workflows go. And that then helps us understand how can we improve that? Because um, that makes innovations. Again, it comes back to saving time, saving, um, making consistencies, which is another big thing on it. Um, the AI question, I think, is just, it's just so big. Like, it's not that it's it, it, it's something to be afraid of or anything. It's just, we're still trying to figure it out. It's just moves so fast. Right. You know, like, yeah. I like I come back to the chat GPT thing like we have so much fun with it and we're amazed by it but it is again it's just a, a tool that's just like trying to show that it's doing something but you have to put input into it there has to be a purpose correct I think even our Hugo team talks about this too mm-hmm. we have a research and development team here at the firm mm-hmm. by the name of Hugo and they're not just chasing every big idea because that's an infinite number of things to yeah. chase but really what is purposeful and what makes sense and what would actually move the needle for the for the spaces that we have influence and so I think you have a very similar challenge in front of you too mm-hmm. to say hey there's a lot of new technology coming out mm-hmm but how do we curate something so that it's still useful mm-hmm. when it makes its way into the lives of those that are actually shaping our built environment? And, well, I mean, when we're looking at um, these different tools, these different programs, um, different scripts, uh, we are trying to make sure that we're diligent about what um, is best for the firm. Because whenever you um, introduce any new software, there's always going to be um, just this, it's a big move. Like there's a lot of people we want to make sure everyone's on the same page. And so we don't want to just to shower people with, okay, there's this thing. Okay, this thing. Okay, this is another thing. We want to be intentional and say, this is what we recommend. And that carries weight. So that's kind of like one of the biggest things with it. Yeah. Curating what makes sense, mm-hmm. being intentional about it and purposeful, and clearly communicating the uh, the why behind Correct. Something. I like that term, the why. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Okay, so I think I'll end on this. Okay. Um, 
the other day I came across an Instagram post okay. and it was a series of photos all in black and white mm-hmm. from New York architecture firms mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of architects at these really large tables, right? Mm-hmm. Doing their drawings. Mm-hmm. And every time you mess up, you start all over. Mm-hmm. Time before AutoCAD. Mm-hmm. And you've been, a, you've been at the firm for 16-ish years. Yeah. Seen some changes. Mm-hmm. And what are, what would you say has been maybe your favorite story of a new piece of technology or tool that you brought on or have seen at work, whether you were working on it or a colleague and something cool that they did with it? Um, my favorite story is uh, involving uh, Femi um, Kareem, who's no longer with the firm, but he was here almost as long as I was. Yeah. Uh, he was the instigate one of the instigators to get Revit in aviation. And when we uh, won the... Don't ask me to uh, tell you what the acronym of TRIP means, but basically it was a renovation of DFW. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of the big people to push, say, well, we should use Revit. And there was a lot of hesitation, but he and another colleague took upon themselves and started building the terminal. Did they do it successfully? Kind of. <laughs> but what I loved about that story is that technology is about sometimes taking that leap and figuring it out and not just saying, oh, it's going to be successful. It's about, it's just with the same thing with engineering mindset. It's like you try something, okay, it worked, but there's things to tweak. Okay, it worked, there's things to tweak. Okay, there's things to And there's a whole test thing. But that journey helped ignite the aviation team on, on um Corgan to start using Revit more regularly, um, and so yeah, forever changed the way. The I practice. think it did. Yeah, yeah. it was. It, I was. I was wor- watching on the outside. I didn't even know Revit at that point. I was terrified of it. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, change. Yeah, change is hard. So you mentioned Femi advocating mm-hmm. for Revit on aviation. Mm-hmm. Forever sort of changed the way that we practice in aviation for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but change is hard. How do you? How do you help determine the success or what determines the success of the of a tool successfully being adopted? I think the key tenets of that is about what is the outcome you're getting. It's 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 several phrases like uh, the ease of accessibility these days. Mm-hmm. What I mean about like how easy is a tool? A great example, actually, um, now that I'm thinking about it, is reality capture. Um, if you guys didn't know, we have really amazing equipment that you can scan a space with. But to get to that point, we we tested some other cameras, and we had a, a Leica that was great. It worked great for the firm, but the 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 post production was just not as accessible as some people with different technology levels could handle. And so we found it much easier to use a Matterport, and that was has been much and much more successful. And we're seeing more dividends as we um, have upgraded the camera to now have uh, LiDAR and easy access to get a cloud model into the model, meaning your scan goes into the Revit model and you can draw around it. Accessibility? Yeah. What else? The other thing is, is like, um, the what are we actually getting out of it? Um, what is the production level? So if we talk about Revit, uh, when we transitioned to Revit, one of the biggest things we got is in AutoCAD, you had to draw um, an elevation and it's a flat 2D thing. So if there's a change to any of the elevations or plan, you have to change plan and the elevation. Well, with Revit, it was like, okay, well, if I draw a wall, it's a wall. So if I change that wall, it changes in plan and in elevation. So there's efficiency. Yeah. It's what, what are we getting out of the post-production, which, again, it comes back to that efficiency aspect. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is like, um, what is the industry doing too? You know, like, what is the adaptability of something? Is it um, just a fad or not? 
earlier, Ryan, we mentioned that some of this technology is kind of the magic behind the built environment. Mm -hmm. But if we even drill down a little bit more, personally, when we're thinking about the people who work here, mm -hmm. it really shapes the quality of their lives, the quality of how they work, mm -hmm. and maybe even some of the satisfaction that they that they get and how rewarding they find their work because they're able to, like we keep going back to saying, they're able to work more efficient, efficiently and then actually be able to get to the things that they really like, which is designing, being creative and playing. What would you say is the most exciting thing about the way that we're using and activating our staff here? There's a lot of things because there's not anything like we're using so many different environments. Like we're using um, different modeling tools like um, the SketchUp and Rhino um, as ways to help with the design. But we're not shying away from anyone requesting or asking about other things. And I think that's the thing is like we are always open. It's not about the fact that we won't um, do something. It's that we want to understand why. So if you're saying, if you're coming in and saying, well, I want to use this tool, okay, let's talk about it. What does it do? What do you want to do with it? Yeah. And then we can look at it and say, well, we also have this existing tool that does that. Yeah. Um, and your new tool is, is great. Maybe we'll look into it and test it, but um, we're just, I guess that's what the summation I want to make about it is like, the exciting thing is like, there's not a no, it's just like, why? And figure out what you need most effectively. And you know, then- we'll, and then giving them that information that actually helps Correct. them make, make use of it. Yeah. I think that about the number of things that have been added to my computer because it's a shiny thing. And then I go, and that's, what? And that's the thing. The I wanna, apps okay. on my phone? Like, why do I have uh, this? Yeah, and I want to clarify that. It's, just, it's not that I'm saying, you're like, okay, you can just send everything that you want. It's The fact of the matter is, like, we do have, you know, this Corganaz system where we help people, like, organize all of their questions. Right. And you can always ask the question. That's what I'm saying. It's just that we're going to be diligent about what you're asking. Right. Cuz we want to cuz that's the thing we see. We see all the tools because as you said, we're that's what we're, part of our job is is seeing these things that are coming through the industry and testing some of it and being part of those teams that are trying to use them. Um, but we're going to be diligent and figure out what's the best too. Yeah, I think it's just so interesting to talk to you and hear about all these things that I think are really impacting so many different spheres of whether it's how we work or technology or how is AI. All of these things kind of boil down to, yes, let's let's investigate this. There's, mm. there's no shortage of new shiny things out in the world, right? Yes. Whether it's in your world or in mine or someone else's. And I think that there's a real job that you have and, and key folks have to say, how do I sift through this? and actually make it of purpose and use and then activate and empower and educate our team to be able to use it. So it's an exciting time to be an architect. Yeah. Also an exciting time to work in your space. Yeah, it's great. And it's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. Thank you for uh, asking me to come. Yeah. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Square. We'll see you next time.